Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, we are in a series about angels and demons because we don't live in a natural world only. There is a supernatural world. In other words, we're not alone in this world. The physical is not all there is. There is a a reality of a supernatural spiritual world, a world filled by celestial beings, by supernatural beings that, believe it or not, intercept and influence your life on a daily basis. That's right. On a daily basis. Look at what Ephesians 6.12 tells us. It's right there in your outlines. This is going to be the key verse of this series. And look at what Paul says. It says, for we are not fighting. He says that there is a conflict. There is a war between these two worlds. And even in the spiritual world. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits, where? In the heavenly places. So in this series, we're looking into this supernatural world. And let me tell you that, we, we, we have to avoid two extremes, right? And I'm going to keep reminding you of this. We got to avoid the extreme where we blame everything on the enemy and we see a demon behind every bush or every activity. And we take no human responsibility. The devil made me do it. Well, we're going to look at that in the coming weeks. But that's not a healthy approach. But the other approach that's also not healthy is to deny that there is a supernatural world. That there are good celestial beings as well as evil ones that are fighting for you. You and I, we're the prize. We're what they're fighting for. And let me tell you that this war is not, it's not the way you would picture it. There's a lot of deception and there's a lot of uh, 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 hidden things. I don't know if you know, but we're coming into the month of July. And there's a, it's known as Pride Month. If you're aware what the Dodgers are doing, I'm very disappointed at what they're doing. But behind all this, there is a spiritual force that is pushing, that is making way, that is influencing, that is active. We cannot see these things just as mere political correctness or I know that money drives Target, money drives all these other stores that choose to align with certain values. But while money may be their motivation, there is a spiritual force behind all these activities. And we need to be aware of that. 
And that's why we're doing this series, because, because not only is it an irrelevant topic, right? We see it everywhere. We see it in movies. We see it in shows. We see it in books. We see it in games. Parents, did you know there's a game called Diablo? In fact, there's a new one coming out. And the main enemy is an actual demon that is mentioned in the Bible. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's in our culture. We're flooded by it. And many people cannot see the reality of their spiritual world because they've been so flooded by it that they're desensitized. And every time scary movies get worse and you're okay with it because little by little you've been what? Flooded by it and desensitized. And we called evil entertainment and we called the good superstition. So that's why we're doing this series, because we also need to be better equipped with understanding so that we can fight the good, the good fight of faith. So I mentioned this is a spiritual war. And, and listen, if you're not aware of your enemies, you'll be an easier prey. And if you're not aware of the celestial help that God has provided for us, you'll miss out on it. So this series is, is to inform you, to equip you, so that you can better fight the, faith, the, the fight of faith. But also because since it's a relevant topic and there's a lot of misinformation, we need to be able to believe what's correct. And what you believe about angels and demons ought to be so. And it shouldn't be because Walter Mercado told you, and it shouldn't be because your favorite show told you. It should be because you believe the word of God to be true and the word of God to be the authority when it comes to the spiritual world. So that's what we're doing. And last week, we, we, we kind of set a foundation. And if you weren't here, I want to invite you to go back and listen to that. It's really important. Uh, but I just kind of want to remind you before we move forward. And we said that when it comes to angels and demons, there is only one God. He's the only one that is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. He's the only one that is eternal. He, there is no one like him. And that's important because as we're going to see today, and we kind of saw this a little bit yesterday, and we'll see that even in the coming weeks, angels and demons are also called gods in the Bible. Now, it doesn't mean there's many gods. We're going to look at what, what the, the, the angle or the, 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 the thinking is when the Bible calls angels and demons gods. But, but we said last week that there's only one God. And that's God the Lord. But that he created celestial beings. He created angels. And in the coming weeks, we're going to see how angels fell. And we're going to begin with Satan, right? We're going to look at his fall. We're going to look at his plan. We're going to look at how he works. But we're also, on the last week, we're going to look at demons. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but demons and fallen angels are two different categories. And we tend to bundle them all and say, well, they're all demons. They're all fallen angels. Demons are the result of fallen angels. And we're going to look at how they came to be and how they differ in those roles. But what I want to do today is start looking a little bit deeper. And today, I want us to look at angels. And I've titled today's message, The Ministry of Angels. And if you don't know what ministry is, it's the service. Angels are for us. If there's something that you need to know about angels... And so before you fall asleep or log into Instagram and play on it on your phone, here's what you got to know. Angels are God's secret agents. And they're
there for you. They're God's agents. Angels have a ministry. They have a service that they provide. And you know what, what, the, what, what the main beneficiary of that service is? You and me. In fact, check this out. I can assure you that angels interact in your life on a daily basis. You're just not aware of it. Because one, you don't know their role. Two, you may be spiritually blind. Or three, you may be in denial. But angels are God's secret agents. And they interact. They influence. They impact your life on a daily basis. Can I prove that to you? Their involvement in a believer's life. Now listen to me. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the, their involvement in a believer's life is so assured and so constant that look at what Hebrews 13.2 says. Look at what it says. Do not forget to show hospitality to what? Strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to what? Angels without knowing it. The writer of Hebrews tells us, hey, be kind and open your home to, to strangers. Be hospitable. Be generous. Be, be a people person. Because some, in doing so, have hosted, have interacted with angels, and they don't even know it. Sometimes, what you may call a creepy stranger or an odd person could be an angel. Now, we need to know when it's an angel and when it's not an angel. And for that, what I want to do today is I want us to look at what the Bible tells us about angels. And some of these things, you, I hope you already know, but I believe some of them are going to be new. Are you ready with me? Amen? Here's the first thing the Bible tells us about angels. You can fill this out in your outline. Angels have rankings and types. In fact, the title angel doesn't do justice to the type of celestial beings that exist. Angels are organized. The Bible tells us that they are organized by authority and glory. That different angels have different authority. That they, that they have different glory. In other words, that they have rankings and that they have types. Some scholars believe that Colossians 1.16 gives us an insight into their rankings. And look at what it says. We saw this verse last week. And it says, for by him all things were created. And it's talking about God, right? In heaven and on earth. Visible and what? Invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So here's the first thing you got to know about angels. They're not all the same. They differ in rankings and in types. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible tells us the name of three of these celestial beings. Anybody know who, what those three names are? Gabriel? Michelangelo? Donatello? No, no, not Donatello. <laughs> Talking about the Ninja Turtles. So Michael, Gabriel, and what's the other one? Come on, he's the most popular one. I know some of you are afraid of saying it. 
Not Satan, that's not his name, that's his title. Lucifer, right? We know those three names. So let me give you, let's look at some of these uh, different types of angels. Let's begin with Michael. Michael is the archangel. He is the archangel. The Bible identifies him as the archangel. And it was believed, it is, it is, many scholars believe that before Lucifer fell, he was another archangel. But now that he's fallen, Michael is identified in the Bible as the archangel, giving us an idea that he's the only one left in his kind. And he's the highest ranking celestial being. In fact, it is believed that when Satan fell, we're going to look at that next week, that it was Michael who casted Satan out of heaven. And it is Michael who plays a huge role in the church in the end of times. It will be Michael who will sound the trumpet to the return of Jesus. And it will be Michael, the Bible tells us that it will be Michael who fights Satan and his demons with, with God's angels and will defeat and tie Satan forever. So Michael is the archangel. He's, he's, he's the big guy. He's, he's the highest ranking angel. When other angels need help, and we'll see that in a little bit, Michael is often sent to provide help. His name means who is like God or gift from God. So we have Michael, but we also have Gabriel. And Gabriel is the messenger, right? Gabriel is the messenger. He's not an archangel, but we can, we can assume by his involvement in the word of God that he is another high-ranking angel. His name means God's hero or the mighty one. And while Gabriel may be a lower-ranking angel than, than Michael, Gabriel is a lot more involved in scripture than Michael is. We see Gabriel uh, uh, more active, at least up to this point, than we see Michael. And Gabriel is the messenger of God, right? It was Gabriel who appeared to Daniel to reveal to him what was to come. It was Gabriel who appeared to Zechariah to tell him about, about John the Baptist. It was Gabriel who appeared to Mary to tell him that she would be the vessel that God would use to send his son. It was Gabriel who appeared to Joseph and told him, do not leave your wife. She did not cheat on you. She, is, she has conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anytime Gabriel comes, he brings good news. So if Gabriel ever appears to you, there's some good news coming your way. Amen. So we have Michael, we have Gabriel. We're not going to look at Lucifer today because we'll look at that next week. But we also, the Bible tells us about another type of uh, celestial being. And these are called the cherubim. And these type of angels are guardians. They're guardians. These are powerful celestial beings. These are the beings that that guard God's throne. God's throne is surrounded by them. And no one can come in and no one can have access to God because these cherubims are there to guard his throne. 
So listen to this. When the Bible tells us that we can confidently come before the, the throne of God where we can find mercy, it is the blood of Christ that gives us access to pass these guardian celestial beings. I don't know if you remember, but when, when Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, it was a cherubim angel that guarded the tree of life. And these are, by the way, the cherubim and the next type of angels that we're going to look at are the only type of celestial beings that the Bible tells us they have wings. We don't know if Michael has wings or if Gabriel has wings or if regular type angels have wings. It is only these two types of angels that the Bible tells us they have wings. In fact, one of them has six. And they only use two of them to, to fly. The other two they use to cover their, their eyes and the other their feet. Amen? The, the other type of angel that we have is the seraphim. And these are worshipers. They're special worshipers. The word, the name seraphim comes, is connected to the Hebrew word that means love. And these are special angels that are in the presence of God, worshiping him 24-7. Well, there's no time in heaven, so there, there's a nonstop worship from them. We'll see that next. But the first thing the Bible tells us is that there are rankings and types of angels. In the book of Revelations, we hear about elders. Many scholars believe that that's another type of angel. Amen? So when you think of angels, if you want to think about it biblically, don't think about these cute, naked little babies playing a harp. They look nothing like that. Nothing like that. Amen? Number two, the second thing the Bible tells us about angels is that angels worship God. Angels worship God. Look at what Revelations 5, 11 through 12 says right there in your outlines. It says, Then I looked again, and I heard the voice of thousands and millions of angels, right? We answered the question last week, how many angels are there? Likely millions or billions of them. And millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and what? Elders. Some scholars believe that those are two different types of angels, living beings and elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and what? And blessings. That's Revelation 5. Look at what one chapter before tells us. In chapter 4, verses 6 through 11, look at this. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne, look at this, were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. That's kind of... It might be me, but that's kind of creepy. I mean, we think of angels as like these beautiful beings. Well, some of them are, but not all of them. And at least these celestial beings that are around the throne of God are covered with eyes. Why are they covered with eyes? Here's the symbolic meaning behind that. So that they could see everything. Because these angels guard the throne of God. I mean, your mom had eyes in the back of her head. These angels have eyes everywhere. They see everything. Nothing can get past them. 
Verse 7 says, the first of these living beings was like what? A lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these, of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thank to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne and the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. Last week we said, if this sounds kind of boring, it's because you don't know God like angels know God. And when they see God, you know, have you ever listened, if you've been a Christian long enough, you're familiar with that song, I Can Only Imagine? Right. And it talks about I can only imagine how I'm going to respond when I see God on that day. Well, I could tell you how you're going to respond. You're going to worship him forever. And you're going to see his splendor and his beauty that your natural reaction is going to be to say, holy, holy, amazing, wonderful, beautiful. And I'll tell you what, you won't get tired. And one of the reasons you won't get tired is because, first of all, you'll have a glorified body. But second, because once you see God as he is. You are going to have a whole different experience. Amen. So angels worship God. Now, it's important for me to say that, that angels from God worship God, but never receive worship. We see that in the Bible, that when they appear, that some men try to worship them and angels always stop them. If an angel appears to you and invites you to worship them, it's not a good angel. Because angels, in fact, it's well known that Lucifer fell from Satan because he wanted what? God's worship. He said, and I shall ascend to the throne. He wanted to be worshipped. And angels know that, know that the only one that is worthy of worship is the one who lives forever and ever. In fact, look at what Colossians 2.18 tells us. It says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility. And by the way, it's important that, that Paul says false humility because of what comes up next. And he says, and the worship of angels, what? Disqualify you. Oh, you know, brother, you know, sister, I got this new crystal that's got this energy that if you put it in your house, it's going to bring a good vibe. Well, let me tell you, you're worshiping a spirit. And if a spirit is allowed to be worshiped, it's not a good angel. And false humility, right, is like, you know, you don't have to try it, but you'll miss out on it if you don't. Second thing the Bible tells us is that angels worship the Lord. The third thing, you can fill this out in your outline, is that angels are warriors. Angels are soldiers. Angels are fighters. Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21 say the following. It say, praise the Lord, you angels, you what? Mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Now, 
You only have armies if you're what? Fighting a war. If you're in a battle. And this tells us that angels are warriors. They're soldiers. That's why they're not these little cute naked babies. They're powerful celestial beings. Last week we saw at the kind of power that some of these angels have. Where one angel defeated thousands of Syrian soldiers. Where four angels are able to hold back the, the winds because they're warriors. I mentioned to you that Michael, at the end of the era, is going to fight Satan and his angels. Look at what Revelations 12, 7 says. It says, then there was a war where? In heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Right? Now, look at Daniel's um, uh, uh, experience. Daniel tells us the following, and it was likely Gabriel who, who is talking to Daniel here. And look at what he says. Gabriel speaking to Daniel. He says, but for 21 days, the spirit prince. Now notice that if it had said the prince of the kingdom of Persia, we would know it was talking about a human being. But it says the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then who? Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And then if you jump to verse 20, you know, Gabriel tells him a couple of other things, and as he's getting ready to go, he tells Daniel the following. He says, he replied, do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to what? Fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, which tells us that, that Michael was likely still fighting this demon, this prince. Right? And look at this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will what? Come. Speaks about a, a fight, a battle. And this battle, at the very least, lasted three weeks. How do we know that? Because the angel tells him, Daniel, the first day you prayed, God dispatched me to bring you the news, but I was held back by the spirit prince of Persia. And we know that it was three weeks because Daniel says, three weeks after I started fasting, the angel appeared to me. Now, angels are not only involved in wars we cannot see. Hear me out. But they are involved in wars we can't see, providing some sort of spiritual help. And yeah, you may never see an angel fighting actual human beings, but it happens in such a way that the Bible lets us know that they do get involved in actual wars. I'll give you two examples. First, it's Elijah in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, right? Elijah's uh, servant wakes up one morning and he sees the hill surrounded with enemies. And he's afraid and he tells Elijah, what are we going to do? Look at all the armies that are here to face us. And Elijah, cool and calm because he understands the supernatural world, he prays. 
He tells them, don't be afraid. And he prays the following. Look at what 2 Kings 6, 17 says. Then Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of what? Fire. God had dispatched celestial beings to come and protect Elijah and his servant. I'll give you another example. In the book of Judges, Deborah is singing about a victory that, that the Israelites have had over the Canaanites. And look at what she says in Judges 5.20. Look at this. It says, the stars fought from heaven. If you were here last week, we said that one of the names that is given to the angels is stars, right? It says, the stars fought from heaven. The stars in their orbit fought against Sisera. Who's Sisera? Sisera was the infamous commander of the Canaanite armies. And Deborah says, there was such an angelic involvement in this war that it could be said that it was the angels who defeated the Canaanite armies. Now, I know we got a lot of questions. And maybe we don't have all the answers, but the Bible tells us that not only do they fight spiritual wars, but they are involved in physical ones as well. Amen? Number four, fourth thing the Bible tells us. The fourth thing is that angels protect us. Angels protect us. Psalm 91, 11, and 12 says the following. It says, for he will order his angels to what? To protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Does that sound familiar to you? Remember that was what Satan told Jesus? Hey, throw yourself. Because after all, the Bible says that God will send his angels and they will protect you and that your foot won't even get harmed. Look at what Psalm 34, 7 says. For the angel of the Lord is a what? A guard. He surrounds and defends all who what? Who fear him. Angels protect us. That is why when you move into a new apartment, when you buy a new home, I believe that it is important that we pray and anoint that new place and ask God to send his angels to protect that place. You don't know what's been done there before you. You don't know what kind of activity in, happened there. And we got to be able to say, God, not only cleanse this place, protect this place. If you're a parent, you ought to constantly be praying that the Holy Spirit would work in the conscience of your kids, but that his angels would protect your kid from any physical harm. Because angels protect us. Now, I know some of you say, well, does that mean we have guardian angels? The answer is yes. But here's the caveat. Only Christians have guardian angels. If you don't have Jesus, the Bible doesn't give us any insight where non-believers have angels watching over them. Because angels are God's agents to minister and protect and serve his elect. So if you're not a Christian, I'm not trying to discriminate you. I'm just telling you the way God has ordained things. And if you are a Christian, you got to know that you at the very least have one guardian angel. My belief is that we have a bunch. We need more than one. Amen. This week we went to go run with Manolo 
And uh, he's not very good with hills, you know? Um, he's not very good with hills. And, and uh, we were running, and as we were running, he was calling on his angel to help him, you know? He's like, oh, help. I was like, I, I, I don't think that's the way they work. And it didn't, because he didn't get any better, but they're there to protect us. Look at what Matthew 18.10 says. This is Jesus speaking, right? He says, beware. And the context here is when, when the little kids are coming to Jesus, right? And the disciples are, are go away, don't, don't come. It's in this context. And look at what Jesus says. It says, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. And by that point, the little ones has become a metaphor for Christians. He says, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Do we have guardian angels? Yes, we do. Yes, yes, we do. Number five, number five, I got it. The fifth thing that the Bible tells us about angels is that angels observe us. They watch us. In fact, that is one of the names that some angels are given. Watchers or the watcher, right? Now, why are they watching us? Well, they're watching us for a couple of reasons. Number one, to protect us, to guard us, to rescue us. Uh, but they're also watching us in amazement and wonder. Here's why. Here, here's one big reason. Angels wonder how we, as God's creation, because they're also God's creation, how we, as God's creation, can sin and still be redeemed. Because angels can't be redeemed. And they look at us and they say, man, look at Pastor Nestor. There he goes messing up again. There he goes getting it wrong again. But he's not cast out from the presence of God because Jesus made a way and he's able to, he's able to have a relationship with God. Angels can't do that. And they watch us and wonder. Look at what 1 Peter 1.12 says. It says, they were told that their, message, that, their, that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now, now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached it in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Look at this. It's talking about the gospel, the good news, right? It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things. What happened? And they say, man, that what an amazing thing that God created these beings that are human beings, not celestial beings. And they mess up, they rebel, they disobeyed, and they can be redeemed. Angels cannot. In 1 Corinthians 11, 10, uh, it gives us another insight that angels are watching. And look at what it says. It says, for this reason, and by the way, the context here is that Paul's telling women to wear a veil. He says, for this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. Scholars, some scholars believe that one of the reasons Paul gave this command is because of Genesis 6. And you're saying, well, what's Genesis 6? In Genesis 6, we are told that the sons of God saw that the sons of men were good and pleasant. And that they took them on. And out of their cohabitation, giants came. And scholars believe that that is one of the things that motivates uh, Paul to say, hey, women, cover your head. Because angels are watching. And if they did it once, what says they can't do it again? They're watching us, right? And as angels watch us, they form opinions about us. They got an opinion about you. Have you ever wondered what your guardian angel thinks of you? 
Ah, este terco. When is she going to get it? How many more times am I going to have to step in? Angels form opinions about us. Right? Because they have will, they have intellect. Right? So angels watch us. Do you remember? And we'll look at this next week as well. Do you remember in the book of Job? It says that there was the counsel of God, right? All the celestial beings, good and bad. And we know there was good and bad because Satan was among them. And God asked Lucifer, hey, where do you come from? And what does Satan say? I come from roaming the earth. In other words, I'm out there watching. What, is, what does Peter tell us? He says that the enemy is what? Like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. They watch us. They're watching you. Angels watch you and demons watch you. Number six. Here's the sixth thing the Bible tells us about angels. Angels give us direction and encouragement from God. Angels give us directions and encouragement from God. They're messengers. And God will use angels. But pastor, don't we have the Holy Spirit in us? Yes, we'll talk about that. But angels give us direction. Look at what Acts 5, 19, 21. This is an Acts, okay? This is after Pentecost. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of what? Of life. An angel appeared. Right? Look at what Acts 8.26 says. This is the story of Philip. It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. He gives them instructions. Now, let me ask you this question. Did Jesus speak to his church in the book of Acts? Yes. Did the Holy Spirit speak to his church in the book of Acts? Yes. Did God use angels to speak to the church in the book of Acts? Yes. If you say, well, God only speaks to me in that soft conscience, you're putting God in a box. And it's important to know that God uses many ways. He could use nature to speak to us. And amongst the many things that God uses to speak to us are angels. And they'll appear to us and they'll give us directions or encouragement from God. Now, it's important for you to know that you need to know your Bible. Because again, a celestial being can appear to you and give you the wrong directions. And the only way you know if it's a spirit from God or not is if you know God's word. When I was a, a teenager, I believe I was about 12, 13 years old. We used to live in Sunland, Tahunga. And during that summer, we used to go to, we, we used to go, we used to go to Sunland Park. If you, you're familiar with that area, you know. And uh, we used to play soccer. And I remember that um, I had bought a necklace at the swap meet that I really liked. I bought a necklace that had like the claw of an eagle. Like it had a claw of an eagle with some wings. And then like this kind of crystal ball inside. And I thought it was really cool, you know. So, so uh, I, I had it wearing it on. And I remember this one particular night. We were there playing soccer. And um, I don't know what happened. The point is that as everybody was playing, I came and I sat at a bench. I don't know if I was tired or whatever it was. And I recall that a stranger, this, this white guy came and he sat next to me. And I thought it was kind of creepy at first, you know. And he said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm all right. I'm just playing soccer, you know, uh, here with my friends. I wanted to know that I wasn't alone, right? Um, 
And he said to me, he said, hey, do you know what that necklace means? And I said, no, I don't. I just thought it was kind of cool. And he said, that's a satanic necklace. It's a necklace that is used in satanic rituals. And he says, if I were you, I, I'd encourage you not to open that door. And then uh, he asked me, he said, so, by the way, how's your relationship with your parents? I go, oh, man, I love my parents. And this guy encouraged me to obey and love my parents. And I thought it was weird until now. How do I know that wasn't an angel? And, you know, my, I was talking to my dad and because and, uh, he, he always watches too, right? And he, uh, he's, he's excited about the series. And he was telling me of a time where there was this older lady in the, in the church, just a really godly older lady. And she got sick and uh, she was nearing the end of her life. And on one occasion, um, my mom and him went to go visit her. And they said that when they knocked... That as soon as they knocked, they heard like this loud noise, like something had left. That it was so audible. And it says that when they walked in, they greeted her and that she said to them, Oh, God's angels are here guarding me. You could say, Oh, the old lady, she's seeing things. Well, she could be seeing things that are real. Because angels appear to give us uh, uh, directions and encouragement. Number seven, number seven. Angels deliver God's people. Angels rescue God's people. Amen? You, you know the story of, uh, of Daniel, right? Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den over his prayer life, right? And uh, when he gets thrown, the Bible tells us that the first person the next day to go see what had happened with Daniel in the lion's den was what? The king. And then he goes and he calls Daniel, Daniel. And Daniel answers. And what does Daniel tell, tell the king? Look at what he says. In Daniel 6, it says, My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not, what? Hurt me. In Acts 12, 5 through 9, we see an angel appearing to break the chains of the prison so that Peter could walk out. So they, they, angels deliver God's people. Some of you, you've been in accidents that you're like, how did I survive that? How did that trunk not split me in half? How is my car not total and I'm still alive? Chances are that God's angels were there to rescue you. There are things that happen in the supernatural world that I believe angels guard us from that we are not aware of. I recall this one instance. We, we used to, again, live in Sunland Tahunga. I'm not talking bad about Sunland Tahunga, okay? But there would be more need for angels down there. Um, yeah. We're walking. We walked to the donut. And I was with my uncle. My uncle and not, somebody else. And we walked to the donut. which was just, I'm a big donut person. Don't bring me any, please, okay? Um, it was just down the street. And we were walking. Went to go have donut. And we were walking back. And we were walking back. These two guys... It was the three of us walking. These two guys just passed in the middle of us. And at first, right, if you're a man and somebody just bumps you like that, your first reaction is like, que ondas, you know? Like, like, what's going on? And they split us. And our first reaction was like, what the, what happened, you know? And these guys, these two guys, they split us and they had guns with them and they were chasing somebody else. 
did they not see us? Did they maybe not care about us? I don't know. But I bet that God's angels were there guarding us. Amen? Number eight, what does the Bible tell us about angels? The Bible tells us that angels take us to heaven when we die. Did you know that? Angels take us to heaven when we die. They give us an escort to heaven. In Luke 16.22, Luke uh, narrates the story. And unlike other times, Luke doesn't preface it by saying, in order to illustrate a point, Jesus said the following story. No, Luke records it as a factual story. And Jesus says it as a factual story. And it is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And look at what Luke 16, says. It says, the poor man died and was what? Carried by the angels to Abraham's side. I don't have enough time to explain that today. The rich man also died and was what? Buried. Is that the only time we see that? No. Matthew 24, 31, Jesus talking about the end of times. He says, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather what? His elects from the four winds. And the four winds is just another way of saying from every part of the world. Right? Now, why do we need angels to take us to heaven? Well, because it's a rescue operation. Remember, it's a spiritual battle. I mean, think about this. You think the demons that have fought you all your life are suddenly just going to give up when you die? When you go into their main realm, you think they're just going to lean back and say, okay, just go to go with God. They're going to try to impede. And that's why angels come and, and they, they take us to heaven. That's why this process, the Bible says that it happens in the twinkling of an eye. Right? Like as fast as you can close and open your eyes. That's what this process happens. Why? Because there's a battle going on. So it's angels. Maybe God receive, Jesus receives you when you're there. And there might be some that Jesus himself comes for them. But it is likely that when you die, it will be angels that escort you to heaven. Number nine, the ninth thing that the Bible tells us about angels is that angels are agents of God's divine judgment. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I put them there because I'm running out of time. But in Acts 12, 21 through 23, Herod, he gets up and he gives this speech, right? And it's so persuasive and it's such a great speech that the people begin to say, this is not a man. This is a God. And it says that Herod, at that moment, an angel came and struck him. And it made him sick and it made him to the such point that that worms began to eat him and he died because he had taken the glory that belonged to God. But it was an angel who touched him and brought this divine judgment upon him. So angels bring divine judgment. We know that not all sicknesses are the result of sin. But the Bible gives us insight into believing that some sicknesses are the result of God's judgment and angels can be used to bring that judgment. Right? Here's another example, Matthew 13, 49 through 50. Uh, once again, Jesus talking about the end of times. Look at what he says. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So some people are going to get a celestial escort to heaven and others are going to get a celestial escort to hell. It's crazy, right? 
Number 10, the Bible tells us that angels bring us messages from God. And, and perhaps the biggest example of this is the Christmas story, right? The angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph. We know that angels appeared to the shepherds and they brought the messages from God. But look at the book of Acts 27, 23 to 25. This is uh, Peter, and uh, he's in a ship. And, and look at what he says. He says, For last night an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God it will be just as he said. I'm sorry, I missed the last part. Right? Now, angels... Don't bring new revelation of the gospel. They're not going to bring you a new message. Okay? But they are going to bring you the message of God. If a demon comes and he gives, if an angel comes and he gives you a new message, it's not a good spirit. It is demons. When we talk about demons, we're going to talk that they have a doctrine. Did you know that? They have a doctrine. They have a set of beliefs. And if you, I'll just give you a little hint into it. If you're waking up every morning and looking at your horoscope, you are absorbing the doctrine of demons. So angels will not give you a new revelation. There is a whole doctor, there is a whole religion that was formed because an angel appeared to a human being on this side of the continent. I'll, I'll stop right there. Number 11. What does the Bible tell us? Last, last two, last two. The Bible tells us that angels strengthen us. They give us strength, right? Uh, two examples. One was Jesus himself and the other one was Daniel. In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, after Jesus uh, is there praying, look at what Luke twenty-two forty-three 43 says. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Strengthened Jesus. An angel was sent after Jesus was tempted and he defeated Satan by not falling into temptation. The Bible tells us that angels ministered to Jesus. They strengthened him. Look at Daniel. In Daniel 10, 17 and 18, uh, once again, he's got this revelation of the end of times, right? And look at how, what Daniel says. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me. And I felt my strength, what? Returning. Angels strengthen us. They encourage us. And then number 12, here's the last one. Angels help us come to salvation. Angels help us come to But pastor, I thought you said that was the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us that we need to be saved. But angels are often operating Helping us come to salvation. Let me give you two examples of that. In Acts 10, an angel comes to Cornelius and he says, you got to go get this man, Peter. You got to go find this man, Peter. And when Peter comes, he says, hey, now I know that God has no favorites. And what does he do? He tells him the gospel. Why don't angels tell us the gospel? Because that's our job. That's the role that God wants to do through human beings. What's another example? Well, we already read it. But Philip. 
right? Look at what Acts 8, 26 to 27 says. And now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met what? An Ethiopian eunuch. Now, you know that story, right? He sees him reading the book of Isaiah and he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I understand if nobody explains it? And what does Philip do? Philip shares the gospel with him. And the eunuch says, hey, what stops, what's, what impedes for me getting baptized? And he says, nothing. So Philip baptizes him. And as soon as he baptizes him, what, what does the Holy Spirit do with Philip? Beat me up, Scotty. Right? He transports him. Because angels can appear. Some of you here who are not walking with the Lord, an angel might appear and say, hey, you got to go to this church or, or you got to go check this out or lead you to some kind of literature, lead, lead you to somebody in order for you to hear and embrace the gospel. Amen? So a couple of things that the Bible tells us about angels. Now, let, let me finish with this and Manolo will come up. There's two things we can learn about angels as Christians. One is to obey him and two is to worship him. They set the example for us that we are to obey his command, that we are to be at his service, and that we are to lift his name high. So I don't know how you're doing in those two areas. I don't know how your obedience to the Lord is, but you know. I don't know if you're disobeying in your finances, maybe in your sex life, maybe in your private life, maybe in your friendships. But if you're disobeying the Lord... I would encourage you, obey him. And if you're not worshiping him, if you're not spending time, worship is first and foremost a lifestyle. But it's also taking specific time to, to lift his name high, to focus on him. So if you're not doing those things, those are two lessons we can take away from the angels and say, I will obey and I will worship him like the angels do. Would you bow your head with me? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you. Transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.